Hi, and thank you for joining us on the Better Together podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Tony. And we are Better Better Together. Together. We're so thrilled that you guys have joined us today. We have a special guest all the way from Israel. We are so thrilled to uh, have made his acquaintance just a few years back when I made uh, my first trip to Israel. His name is David Nekrutman, and he is the, um, the leader of an organization called the CJCUC. He's going to tell you a little bit more about that in just a minute. But uh, David, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, especially during this season of uh, turmoil and uncertainty here in the world and what is going on around us. Welcome to the Better Together podcast. Well, greetings from the Holy Land, Pastor. Pleasure to be with you today. Uh, what a blessing to have you here all the way from Israel, uh, and it, it's just a, it's a, it's a great joy for us. Um, would you tell us a little bit about what the CJCUC is um, before we get started? I uh, appreciate it. We are, first of all, it's the Ortor Stone Center for Jewish Christian Understanding and Cooperation. So the Center for Jewish Christian Understanding and Cooperation, CJCUC. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> That's the acronym. Uh, the first Orthodox Jewish center in the entire world to institutionally respond to Christians who have come into the gap and stand with Israel and the Jewish people. This is a miracle, unprecedented in our history. And uh, until about 12 and a half years ago, there was no Orthodox Jewish institution wow. trying to embrace and advanced Jewish-Christian relations until 2008, when we opened up the center. It was uh, it was the vision of Rabbi Shlomo Riskin and myself, and uh, I've been involved in Jewish-Christian relations for the last, wow, almost uh, 19 years. Wow. Uh, in 2018, I received a, uh, a master's in biblical literature from Oral Roberts University, being the uh, first Orthodox Jewish person ever to graduate from a spirit-filled university. That's incredible. incredible. Greetings, greetings from a modern-day Pharisee. <laughs> hey, uh, just so that the people can hear this, and just so that my wife can hear this, what did you do your, uh, your, your paper on? My thesis was on the Hebraic roots of the Holy Spirit, specifically Esther and, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's uh, awesome. I know it's a book that normally... No, it's a book. It's a, it's, usually it's not a sacred writing that will define Holy Spirit, but there are four categories of the Holy Spirit within the book of Esther. And so my thesis uh, addresses those four categories. Incredible. Incredible. Well, um, one of the things that I love about you and I love about the CJCUC, uh, on my initial trip to Israel in 2016, um, we came to the center and um, you made an incredible statement that impacted me uh, to this day uh, and how we look at the, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. And uh, sometimes Christians can, can look at the Jewish uh, Jew, Judaism and they think, uh, well, we don't have anything in common. But what I've often encouraged people, especially here at our church, is um, our Savior is Jewish. Uh, our, our Messiah is Jewish. Uh, and, and then we go back to this statement that you made. You said to us, um, the things that we hold in common are far greater than those things that divide that we don't have in common. And it has meant so much to us. And so I just want to thank you for um, being instrumental in bridging a gap between Jewish and Christian relations. It's, it's been incredible. Yes. It's been an incredible journey. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to serve the higher calling. 
It sure is. So, so uh, again, one of the reasons we have you on the podcast today is to encourage people. Uh, you, as well as uh, you and Israel, have experienced this. Uh, we are experiencing now the effects of the coronavirus that have spread rapidly throughout the world. And uh, one of the things that you were uh, talking with me uh, recently uh, was about this, uh, the concept of seeing on social media more now than ever, um, many, many people just posting, making posts about Psalm 91 and uh, putting their faith in the word of God. And I, I would love for you to just open, maybe perhaps share with us over the next uh, 25, 30 minutes um, some of the truths and things that you've seen in the word of God, uh, especially in Psalm 91, that would encourage anyone listening today. Sure. Um, so I, I would begin with that. I don't want Psalm 91 to be sort of a magic potion. I say these words and Absolutely. everything is fine and dandy. Absolutely. That's, that's very important. I know that uh, if you look historically, the verses from Psalm 91 throughout uh, history, you see this in Second Temple Judaism's inscriptions of different verses within Psalm 91. Even within the early church, they use Psalm 91 thinking or maybe at that particular point in time saying, oh, if I do this verse, I see these verses, I won't get anything. And that, yeah. that it's not a guarantee that you won't get anything. I, I think that's the reason why I like to, I would like to address Psalm 91 because it's not a magic formula. It's yeah, not abracadabra yeah. and everything is fine. Excellent. All right. And if anything, if it's treated that way, you actually hurt the faith of a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Wow. Yeah. That somehow you use these words Oh, it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to be. God is not here. Uh, therefore, what's the whole point of my faith? And that's the worst thing we want to do as leaders is to hurt someone's faith. We want to advance the faith of somebody. And we have to look at that God is not an ATM machine. Uh, we're here in service to him because he's been gracious enough in making sacred space and creating humanity to have a partnership with him to make a better world. Excellent. So that's sort of the, the foundations of where I'm coming from in Psalm 91. Number two, um, I would start off with the premise, and this sort of relates to my, uh, my thesis, that the God in, in the world today, and I would say specifically in this particular season, is not seen as in, let's say you would have an Exodus, uh, Red Sea, parting and the miracles that took place in Egypt with all the plagues and stuff like that. We don't have that type of revelational historical moments in our time. And there are times in history you will see that is quite dark and doesn't mean that God is not there. It's that, that we now have more of a job to bring him out of hiding. Wow. And, and the reason why I'm setting this up is because most people think that the first verse in the first book, Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, is the actual translation from the Hebrew. And it is a valid translation, but the problem is the first two words in the first verse of, of Genesis, there's problem, problems with grammar and syntax and the okay. whole thing. And therefore, it's subject to interpretation. And sure. the way I would uh, be... I think honoring of the Hebrew is that uh, in the beginning, he, meaning God above time and space, created Elohim, which is the Hebrew word that's found 
in the first verse of, of, of the Bible, the language of heaven, the language of earth. That how we're looking at Genesis is that God is creating the idea of him. So we're able to then in our own minds as finite human beings understand that there is a choice of him. Yeah. And then he creates the language of heaven and the language of earth because language is the way a, that God created the, the world, but it is the way that we have a relationship with him. It's through the word itself. Yeah. So that makes sense. I know this will blow up a lot of people's way of the King James reading of the verse, but I do want to be honoring the Hebrew. It's excellent. This and is its excellent. grammar and syntax and saying that what we're looking in the first chapter of Genesis is the creation of ideas. Like Steve Apple, as great as he was, and he gave us all our gadgets that we have today in its current form, uh, the idea of an iPhone didn't come from didn't come from Steve Apple. It no. didn't come from him. It came from I'm sorry, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs from yeah. Apple. It, Steve Jobs. It didn't come from him. It came from God. God just made Steve Jobs the conduit to bring this particular technology into the world. Absolutely. So the the very idea of ideas comes from the source of ideas, and that's God Himself. Hmm. So God had to create the idea of Him. Because now he is choosing for us to be in this world. That means God basically limits himself a little bit to make sacred space for humanity to come in to freely choose him. All right? Yes, yes, So this is the foundation because the way I'm going to read the first verse of Psalm 91, usually translated, you who dwell in the shelter of the Most High and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. That's... But if you would go to BibleHub.com, you will find various translations of the first verse. Okay. Right? It's not, there's no consensus on how to do that because there's a lot of problems in the Hebrew with the grammar. Okay. Therefore, when you have problems with that, it's subject to multi-layer interpretations. And I want to give you a particular interpretation of saying El Yom, which is the most high, the name of God dwells in secret places. Okay. So yeah, look what yeah. I'm doing here. I'm saying that Elyon, he is dwelling in secret places. Shaddai, which is another name of God. Yeah. Is okay. Is abiding in the darkness. Wow. Okay. Right? So it's very, very different than how, it's normally translated. I'm saying that God intentionally is in, in hiding. And that sets up the entire Psalm of how it's supposed to be read. And it's not simply a, uh, a particular person we're dealing with in this Psalm. Cause there's a lot of drama here. Yeah. It's actually a dialogue between, I would say a father and son, maybe specifically between David and Solomon. Okay. And God is coming in towards the end. And the way I'm going to set this up for you uh, is the following. So the first verse, which I translated already, the second verse is the disciple, which means that's it's Solomon. Yeah. And he's saying, I will say of the eternal. Now, usually translated as God, but here it's the yud heh in Hebrew. This is the four-letter name of God that we 
we don't really say the actual name of God because it can keeping in reverence to that name. Absolutely. So we don't actually say it. It's the four letter of God, which is past, present, and future. This is God beyond time. So I will say of the eternal, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This is the disciple. And then the teacher being David is now going to give a reason as far as what uh, David is responding to Solomon's faith at that particular moment. And he's going to give a whole bunch of reasons as far as enhancing that faith. And then the response from Solomon is going to come into verse nine, the first part of that verse for you, the internal on my refuge. So Solomon has two, really a line and a half in this Psalm. Yeah. Both referring to that God is the refuge. Okay. And then David is going to be responding from verses chapter three to chapter eight, as far as responding to Solomon's faith when he talks about that God is his refuge. And then he's going to respond again to the verse, what he said in verse nine, again, nine B and then all the way through 13. And then God comes in and and verses 14, 15 and 16. (laughs) Is that good? Yeah, Yeah. 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 I'm assuming, I'm assuming the people are hearing the podcast have Psalm 91 in front of them. Otherwise what I'm saying, right. It's just a bunch of numbers. But if you wish we can go a little bit more into this, but I just want to make sure with our listeners, you should have Psalm 91 in front of you to to follow what, when I'm going to be speaking with the pastor of Psalm 91. Absolutely. So, so, so far so good. So far so great. Okay. So there is a difference between, the way the setup is happening with Solomon in his beginning of his, you know, as he's growing up and his relationship with God, a casual believer. Of course I believe in God. You know, my experience of what I see, God is my refuge. We often hear that with people, both in Judaism and Christianity, we have what we grew up with. And of course the automatic thing is, yeah, God is my refuge. Yeah. Make sense? Yes. Absolutely. And this is the response of this is the response of David. He's saying you don't really know because I, David, have gone through a lot in my own experience. And I'm gonna tell you of what your casual believing is is actually much more amplified if you really took the experiences of people before you. Incredible. So here's David's response, that he delivered you from the fowler snare, from the destructive plague. He covered you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge, uh, his faithfulness in in your shield and your buckler. You will not fear the terror at night or the arrow that flies by day, nor the plague that stalks in the darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. A thousand may fall at your left side and ten thousand at your right side, but will not come near you. You have but to look around and see the punishment of the wicked. If you look at all these examples, these are things that you normally don't see what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all coming suddenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make make sense? Absolutely. It's like, like, like I, I know there are people who like to hunt. 
right? <laughs> and they set up a hint, hint, wink, wink, yeah, yeah. And you set up a trap. Yeah. But the, the thing that you, that's going to go into the trap doesn't know they're going into the trap. They yeah. just did their thing. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. So from, from whatever animal is going into the trap, they don't know what's coming. Yeah. Okay? And there, and David is saying to Solomon, there have been experiences that I had in my life of all these traps that were set up for me. Wow. And, and through it all, I didn't know it was happening. But God ensured that there was, I, he was with me throughout the entire time. Wow, that's I love incredible. that picture. Okay, yeah. this, is, this is important for the picture. Yeah. The response now of Solomon is, whoa, I just got this amazing lesson from my father, David. Yeah. And all he can express is a shorter version of what he said in verse two. <laughs> for you, the eternal, are my refuge. Yeah. Okay, now David, as the elder person, who went through so much in his life is going to now just bring it on home for Solomon. Yeah. And he says, you have made most high your dwelling. No evil shall be for you. No plague shall come near your dwelling for he will charge his angels over you to guard you wherever you go. They will carry you on their hands. Least you strike your foot on a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the viper and you shall strike your foot against a stone. Like, I mean, your, your foot, like the whole thing of going and striking your, your, your foot against a stone, these are inanimate objects already. Yeah. And these inanimate objects, God is protecting you from. So besides you not knowing what God is doing for you to protect you, yeah. and then you're exclaiming, well, God is my refuge, it is so much more. At the end of the day, the lesson is, is we don't know what is in store for us laid out either by forces that wish to counter what we're doing or by human humans making decisions that are bad for the individual, for the community or national. Yeah. Wow. And at the end, this is not a promise that this is going, you're going to make it through because listen, what David is giving a picture of, there's massive amount of issues here that the person is surrounded by. Mm. Okay. This is not that the person is in paradise. Witnessing this on a video, he's actually in the fray of everything. Yeah. Right in the middle of the storm. Right in the middle of the storm. Like God never promises a rose garden (laughs) as in Psalm 23. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come on. I don't fear it because you are with me. Wow. Right. Yeah. But there is a valley of the shadow of the death. I mean, there is, I mean, we believe Psalm 23 in Judaism is talking about the events that took place in the desert, the 40 years in the desert with the Jewish people. Okay. Where we were not supposed to be alive because it's a desert. There's no food. Yeah. There's no water. And God creates this unprecedented uh, act of grace and compassion by allowing us to live in the desert where we shouldn't be living yeah, to eventually get to the promised land. So good. But at every moment, every moment there is this sort of death above us. Mm. Now the question is what's, what is going to be the response of someone who's in the midst of all this 
catastrophe and chaos. Yes. Yeah. So there what are is two ways of, of de- there are two ways of dealing with it. One yeah. way of dealing with it is you live in constant fear. Which sure. that's no good. And Which that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Which that, right, but that's the normal thing. Like, oh, well, if all this catastrophe that's being sort of uh, mentioned in Psalm ninety-one itself, right? I have yeah, yeah. Terror at night, hours in the day, plagues, pestilence, all this other stuff. You will just live a life of fear. Oh, crazy! And fear will overtake you. It's yeah, a powerful right? thing. Yeah. It's then there's somebody says, "Well, who likes to deny reality altogether as nonchalant <laughs> to all of it?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. So a a believer in God has to be able to balance the fear of what's going on, the catastrophes of what it is, but not at the same time be nonchalant to it. Yeah. He has to connect to God because at the end, God is saying through fourteen through verses fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, because He desires me, says the internal. I will deliver him. I will lift him up, for he knows my name. Let him call to me so that I will answer him and will be with him in a time of trouble so that I will deliver and honor him. With length of days, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. What is the way that we can really know God's name? What is the way that we can demonstrate our truth that truly we are in the refuge and the dwelling and we're taking God out of hiding is doing his will. Yeah. That's right. It's mission. This is the thing that we I talked to you in 2016 about. What is the commonality between Judaism and Christianity? Mm-hmm. What is it, what is the commonality in sanctification, holiness, and kingdom in the now? Mm. That we are both mandated to act as a partner for God to bring him into the world so people can freely choose him. Missional, yeah. How do we do that? Well, thank God we have a blueprint. It's called the Word of God. Amen. It gives us all these wonderful mandates to be really concerned with human relationships. How do I honor God? By honoring His creation. So somehow through all these catastrophes that are happening, we find a way to balance between fear and being nonchalant and we stick to mission. Yeah. Now the mission might be harder because of what is happening on the ground. So it's not like it was three months ago. Yeah. yeah. We are now in a period of time, I would say unprecedented, definitely in, I'm 46 years old. I have never been in this situation. Right? Yeah. I didn't live through 1918 in the Spanish flu. I didn't live through certain plagues of medieval history. But what we're experiencing right now is a complete shutdown of community. Yeah. Uh, as we know it up until now. So there are a couple of ways of dealing with it. One way of dealing with it is being nonchalant. Oh, okay. You know, I'm not going to be harmed by it. I'm going to just ride this out. The second is I'm going to go ahead and be constantly updated to all my new things and live in fear. Yeah. <laughs> the question is, right, this is, this is exactly what's happening. Psalm 91 is depicting one of these scenarios and many of these scenarios. Exactly. Right? But internationally, for the very first time, we're experiencing this psalm together. Mm-hmm. 
as a global village. Yeah. Yeah. What do we do as believers? Therefore, uh, I would say, okay, how do we adapt and still do mission? It's good. That's how so do good. we serve one another and be witnesses to God that God is still here with us and he's in it with us? Yeah. I can only do that by bringing God to somebody else. Mm. And that's what you're talking about when you're uh-huh. saying take God out of hiding. Because he's not hiding from you. No. You know we, him. No. He, we, know, we know who God is, right? We yeah. know who God is. But God purposely hides himself so we can freely choose him. Yeah. yeah. But he needs a partner. And the well, partner is us. Yes. We are supposed to be his witnesses. I'm going to give you something like this. I'm going to say the Oreo cookie verse in the Hebrew Bible of being God's witness to the world is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Listen, Israel, the internal is our God. The internal is one. Yeah. At the time that Moses articulated this, no one was believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. It's a prophetic statement that one day this will all that humanity will finally know who God is and freely choose him. Yeah. But in that Hebrew, in the Hebrew of it, the last letter for the word listen, Shema, is an ayin. And the last letter for the word one, Echad, is a dalit. Ayin dalit form the word aid, which means to be witness. Yeah. It is our great commission. It is our kingdom verse. And the reason why I say it's an Oreo cookie verse is because it's sandwiched between two cookies. The first one being Amen, which is it's an acronym. Amen doesn't mean truly or so be it. It's an acronym that means God is a faithful king. That is what we say prior to saying in our liturgy, in our prayers in Judaism today, we say God is a faithful king. We say, listen, God, listen, the internal. He is our God. Internal is one. And then we say another liturgical verse. This is the other cookie. Blessed be his name and his glorious kingdom forever and ever. Wow. And then we say, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with your all your soul, with all your might. But before we could say you, could, you shall love the Lord, we first have to accept the responsibility of kingdom. So the Shema is the cream, the Oreo cream between two, two cookies of kingdom. This is what we are mandated to do. Words are commitments. When we share saying in Psalm 91, we are committing to God to bring him out of hiding. And despite whatever is happening in our, our challenges to mission, we will persevere and go on and do his will. Wow. When we do that, And when we see that, and we are in service to one another, then God says, because he desires me, I will deliver him. I will lift him up for he knows my name. Wow. Can I ask a question? Because you're, you're a little farther advanced of this social distancing or quarantine or whatever word they're using. Um, How have you found to be able to adapt to this situation that we're facing now and yet still accomplish mission? Yeah. 
Okay, so a, a few few pieces of advice what we're doing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm affiliated with one of the synagogues here in Netanya. I live in Netanya, which is like uh, 20 minutes away from Caesarea, where a lot of people, a lot of tour, Christian tour groups either go for their first day or last day when they're in Israel. Uh, my particular synagogue decided that, okay, we, there's a lot of little kids that are part of the synagogue. Who's going to take the, um, the leadership every single day and be in touch with the kids and lead them in prayer? Who's going to set up the, the group to learn with one another? We're going to do this all digital for right now. Uh, we're going to make our phone calls to make sure everyone is okay. The rabbi of the synagogue gave me a call the other, the other night just finding out how I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, then there are people that I know of are setting up um, uh, packages or letters of encouragement to the local living assistant facility that's in the neighborhood. Excellent idea. Uh, people are sending get well wishes to people who are in the hospitals because right now we're both in the same situation. We can't visit the elderly. There's a, a good idea that we, we shouldn't do that because we don't know if we're carriers of the virus. Sure, right. sure. And that can hurt somebody who's elderly. So therefore, the elderly right now, the people are in the hospitals right now. If there are centers of youth at risk right now or yeah. orphanages, yeah. they're going to need the most encouragement because they already feel isolated anyway. Yeah. Normally, no one really goes out to really visit them. So besides the people in your church community, your synagogue community, then we've got to come up with unique ways of not only saying hello, and that means probably using old school, you know, cards. <laughs> Make sure you don't lick the cards. Yeah. Don't lick the envelope, okay? Don't lick the envelope. You can use a piece of, you can go ahead and then you'll put your gloves on and put a piece of tape on it and close the envelope, whatever that is. Sure. And and I think there are unique ways of coming ahead. And again, I would say the same thing. Uh, hi, I'm one of the people that are, are in your church or in your synagogue. I just want to know how you're doing. I'm actually going out to the supermarket. Do you need anything? Yeah, yeah. it's excellent. So practical. Right. And yet bringing very, God out of hiding. Right. Instead of fighting with one another, which I, again, I, I think I, I, I spoke to you the other day yeah. about, I was really shocked about here you have a carriage, a wagon full of toilet paper, and there's a fight of just giving one package over. Yeah. Right. And again, oh I understand the, the, the hysteria that's coming along, you know, coming out of all this because it's, it's, it's very scary. Sure. It is very scary. But that the question is whether the fear grapples you to the point where you're totally getting off mission and being totally about self and not being selfless. Yeah. Uh, this is where the community of believers can come in and help and say, okay, yeah. what can we do to alleviate some of the isolation that's being experienced right now and how can we serve? Yeah. That's so good. And, and each one is going to happen with its own community, but I'm just giving you a few ideas. Like there are elderly people that need help at the end yes. of the day. Absolutely. Who are they? How do we get to them? You don't need to go into their house. You can go ahead with a nice, nice package and say, here, this is for you. We were thinking about you. Here's a card and just saying, you know, much love. Yeah. 
if you'll indulge me uh, just for a moment, I, one yeah. of your, uh, you know, you're tasked with the um, building of bridges to between the uh, Jewish, Jewish and the Christian communities. And uh, if I might just speak to a couple scriptures that just uh, came up on the inside of me, even as you were sharing about, bring, it's our responsibility in these times to bring God out of hiding. It's, it's our responsibility to, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he was speaking to his disciples and he said, Guys, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works or the mission and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then uh, over in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and we understand this as um, Pentecostals and those who've been uh, who've experienced the Holy Spirit here in a different way, uh, but in verse 8, uh, Jesus is leaving, you know, he's ascending, and he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then for what? I mean, Tony and I have talked about this often. Uh, he, the Holy Spirit was given to us, number one, um, to be witnesses. To witness what? To witness the goodness of our God. To, to witness his faithfulness, to witness and to bring him out of hiding to the world. We understand in, in uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, he said, um, look, to, to those who are perishing, you know, to those who uh, God, ha- they have not seen God yet because he's been in hiding. They've not seen him. This message, it's foolishness. But to those of us who are saved, it's the power of, of, of God unto salvation. We understand. Uh, we're, we're, we've, we've encountered the goodness of God, and so what do we do? We hold it in, and we, like a, like a mass amount of toilet paper, we're not giving you any because it's all ours now? No, I, our job is this. Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely give. And, and this is the way that we can bring the faithfulness of our God into the light so that people can see and uh, experience and know him. This is our job, as you so eloquently put it, to bring him out of hiding and to, um, to show others about, about his goodness. Tony, you were, you were looking at me. Well, I, always, I, I always said to you, Pastor, uh, Jesus was Jewish. That might be a shock to some of your listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He grew up in a Jewish household. He grew up in a Jewish household. He had these teachings when he was growing up. Yeah, And he spoke about, if you look all at the Synoptic Gospels, it's all about kingdom in the now. Yeah. And kingdom in the now is service to others. Yeah, it's, it's, it sure it's is. It's very basic, but, but in times like these, it's actually the hardest to actualize because the fear grips everybody. Yeah. So, so good. you're encouraging them to get past the fear by trusting God? And then to stay on mission to look past themselves and reveal the goodness of God to others through the good things that they're doing. Correct. Okay. And Psalm 91 speaks to that. There's a reason why Psalm 91 is picked. I, I, and again, this is from Jewish tradition. But if you would look at verse 10, uh, I'm sorry, verse 11. For he will charge his angels over you to guard you wherever you go. Wow. Okay. Now, understand what's happening here. There are angels that accompany a person that will testify to God when this person physically goes away from this world. Yeah. And they will say, what will they say about this individual person? Did he carry out covenant or not? Wow. Wow. Okay, so we believe in Jewish tradition, this is where you have your angels 
attesting to your life. It comes from this psalm. In fact, if you want, when we were giving a Thanksgiving offering to God in temple time, Psalm 91 was one of the psalms that was recited. Wow, wow. If you wanted to add on to Jerusalem, to, to, the, uh, to the extension of the, pro- of the property of Jerusalem, you would say the psalm. Huh. We say this psalm, I'm just letting you know, we say this psalm uh, prior to going to bed. We say this psalm in our liturgy on Sabbath morning. And we also say this psalm as, uh, as when the Sabbath leaves. It's part of our liturgy. It is so part of our liturgy. Now, a lot of times when rockets were coming over from Gaza into Israel, we would be praying Psalm 91. Wow. It's interesting now that because you have the coronavirus, now because it has plagues and, you know, it has the word plague in it, this becomes the central psalm for people to say. <laughs> I think it's just been used because it, cause any type of chaos, yeah. whether it be war or whatever it be this or whatever, this psalm is used because there's something powerful about the psalm because the word, they're really coming to convict you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because where is your trust at the end of the day? It doesn't mean that you will not be hurt. Come on, preach this. Let me make that clear. Because the real safety net at the end of the day is not going to be anything that we have in this world. Because it's not of this world. It's of what we're doing to build up our, to build up the kingdom to come. Absolutely. And each one, there's a reason why a person is born. It's not haphazard, not a statistic. God felt you were important to be in this world. What <laughs> so is good. your purpose? Oh, that's so good. I, I love I, that. I, I think that you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to do another podcast with you. Um, if oh, the time is up, oh, time is okay. up already. Can you believe time it? Is up. Hey, um, I want to ask a couple questions before we, uh, before we go, before we, uh, stop here, but how can people connect with you? Um, number one, let me just, uh, if you could throw out a couple ways that they can connect with you when they hear this. Sure. Uh, the website is cjcuc.com, cjcuc.com. Uh, they can write an email to me at info at cjcuc.com. Okay. Um, have you written any books or are there any books that you would recommend regarding uh, what we talked about today? Anything that you could uh, put in people's hands to give them more information? So, so what I'm going to do, because I'm actually uh, conducting a Bible study tomorrow for the very first time on Zoom. Okay. Uh, we usually do a Bible study for the Christian community who volunteer at Christian Zionist organizations in Jerusalem. We do this every other week. But unfortunately, we can't get together. So I decided we'll do Zoom. Okay. So I'm actually going to write up this entire understanding of Psalm 91, which will be made available uh, on our website. So I just need a, I just need another week to put this up. Absolutely. Okay. Can- but you can go on... You can go on my YouTube. You can YouTube my name. You, there's a lot of teachings all over the place that uh, I'm there. It's just one day I'll be able to put everything into one-stop shop. But until then, I don't have it. And I haven't written the book because I just simply, you know, Pastor, I don't, I'm traveling all over the world. And it's very yeah, yeah. hard to sit down and write. 
I know. <laughs> hey, um, tell people as we're closing. Bye, 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 bye. Wait, wait, let me say oh, this. Yeah. MorningDriveBible.com. That's what I was going to ask him. MorningDriveBible.com. Um, tell them about yeah. the podcast. Tell, give them a little it's bit. my podcast. Is So MorningDriveBible.com came out from the idea of, of addressing the Holy Spirit in Judaism. And... So besides the Holy Spirit, we deal with issues of marriage and abortion from a Jewish point of view. There are different types of subjects there. Um, Scott Kahn is my co-host. Uh, we've taken a we took a little bit of applause, but we should be getting back very very soon. But there's an, over a hundred teachings on on the podcast, so you can go to morningdrivebible.com. Awesome. Well, we have so enjoyed having you. Um, my wife uh, has never been to Israel yet, and uh, we celebrate our 25th anniversary next year, and so we may be making a solo trip, just her and I, and we'll yep. have to definitely <laughs> stop in and see you and the CJCUC. Um, but we just so appreciate you, and we so appreciate the time that you've given us today. Um, listen, if uh, perhaps you're listening today and um, there you are feeling isolated, can I just encourage you? Um, the Bible says that if you want friends to be friendly, maybe you need to reach out today and uh, to connect with a brother, to connect with a sister, have a cup of coffee, have a cup of tea. Virtually, uh, that is. FaceTime them. Virtually, that is. <laughs> and um, just want to encourage you. Um, perhaps you are a part of our Victory Christian Center communities. Go online to our vcconechurch.com website. You can find all of the different campuses that are located around the community and you can check out our online services happening tonight at 8 o'clock or I'm sorry, tonight at 7 o'clock and then on Sunday mornings uh, 8.30 and 11. We love you. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus and Hashem. We thank you for being with us and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Don't forget we're better together. together.